today on It's Time. Well, that's okay. But it adds zero to your spirituality. I hear the calling. It's time. It's time. It's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the book of Galatians. So, turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. This morning, if you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to open them to the book of Galatians, and we're in chapter 4, Galatians 4. And again, this is really important, because if you can get this out of the book of Galatians, it'll protect you from probably 60% of all the cults and the goofy stuff that's out there. And uh, I believe, again, we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what Jesus said when he was being tempted by the devil, and that's what we really need to do is... When we're tempted by different things, to live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Well, let's pray. Father, as we go to your word today, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is what inspires us and gives us understanding into the real meaning of life. And so now, as we would spend this time in reading your word, may you cause these words to come alive to us, protect our hearts in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, one of the things we find here in Galatians chapter 4 is he says in verse 12, Brethren, I urge you to become as I am, for I am as you are, and you have not injured me at all. You go, this is kind of a weird saying. What's this about? Well, first of all, if you read the verse before, he says, I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Paul brought them a message of salvation based in God's grace. What had happened in the Galatian church is after these people were enjoying the freedom in Christ, it's by faith we're saved, we pray, we accept Christ as our Savior, the Judaizers came in and said, now if you really want to be saved, you'll get back under the law. The Ten Commandments, the new moons, the Sabbath keeping, all those things. Paul saying, no, that is not how we're justified. We're justified in faith in Jesus Christ. He says, I've labored for you to bring you this message continually. And yet these Judaizers came in and tried to upset the churches scattered throughout Galatia. He said, you've not injured me. What happens is we injure ourselves when we get away the truth of God's word. Now he says, I urge you to become as I am. Now Paul is not saying, be like me because I'm sinless. That's one of the big mistakes that a lot of times people make. Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. But what he's saying here is the liberty that we have in Jesus, walk in that manner. Don't mess up and think we're going to be made perfect by keeping the law. The law is a scary thing, friends. The minute that you get under the law, 
You move away from that grace that God gives us. And every single one of these verses pertain to two basic things. One, do you want a legal relationship with God? Or two, do you want a love relationship with God? Well, you know, sometimes initially you can't tell. You take two men on their anniversaries. Sometimes if you do this around around Valentine's Day or uh, those different kinds of days like that, you'll see two men, as an example, in a greeting card store. And they'll be going through the cards. One guy is there trying to find a nice little card for his sweetie. Oh, I think you're wonderful. I think you're this. Another guy is doing the same thing. And you say, look at them men. Don't they both love their wife? No, one is doing it because he genuinely loves his wife. And he's doing those things because he cares about her. The other one is doing it so he doesn't eat burnt food for the rest of the year. Because really he knows if he doesn't do something, if he doesn't perform then she's going to be angry. The other man is doing it simply because he loves. The appearance looks the same, but the heart is completely different. So he says, I urge you to become as I am. Live in the grace that God has given you. It's not a legal relationship with God. It's a love relationship with God. Now, Paul mentioned in the verses before this, where we cry, Abba, Father. We cry, Daddy. That's where you crawl up into your father's lap. You put your arm around God and you say, Daddy. I love that. A lot different than going and saying, Oh, thou unknowable one that lives beyond the stars and the cosmos, I beseech thee. And we use a lot of really cool 16th century King James English to really spice it up. Oh, thou above all, God, I prayeth thou thee of this. And I can just see God looking at us going, say what? No, I mean, I can just see God going, be real. You know, it's, uh, again... God would rather have us be honest with him than make it flowery. Um, Again, when we go, oh God, thou God knowest all things. I thy my heart is very deeply burdened under thee. We're inside, we're saying, amen, God, I'm hurt. And God goes, I'd rather have you be honest. That's the love relationship rather than the formal relationship. And it's interesting that a lot of times people don't feel that they have been in the presence of God unless there is the formality. But God loves you. And he loves all those things about you. And when he called you into his kingdom, he knew all the times that you would fall short, that you would fall and skin your knees, that you would have lapses of faith, all those things. And yet God still called you and me to be part of his kingdom. That's the grace of God. And I can let the law beat me. You can let the law beat you up. Because the law establishes the high watermark. Where Jesus Christ is the one that fulfilled all the law in the commandments. Now it goes on here in verse 13. You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God 
even as Christ Jesus. So he said, when I first came to you and I shared with you the gospel, you received me in spite of what was wrong with me. What was wrong with him? Well, we don't really know what this physical infirmity that Paul had in his flesh was. But the Bible says he had it. Now, a couple of things are really important. There is doctrine around today that says if you have an infirmity, if you're sick, it is because there is sin in your life. If you have an infirmity, it is because you don't have enough faith. It is interesting to me that Paul wrote a lot, probably a third of the New Testament, writes for us that he just had this. I know a lot of times Christians feel that maybe God doesn't love them because their bodies don't work right. That is not the case. We live in a fallen world. All of us, since the Garden of Eden, have been reeling under the sin of man. In fact, uh, the book of Romans says all of creation groans under the sin of man. Why is that? Because sin comes into the world, things bad happen, and this is what the result of it is. So don't ever let anybody tell you the reason a person is sick is because there's sin in their life or they don't have enough faith. Now, I want to clarify something. Can sin cause sickness in your life? Absolutely. You look at all the venereal diseases that are out there. You look at all the, the, the indulgences that the world offers, whether it be uh, alcoholism or, or smoking or all these different things, what it can do to your physical body. Yes, sin can cause all kinds of physical problems. But that does not mean then that every single person that is healthy is right with God. See, you've got to look at all the, the aspects of sometimes what we would call theology to really come up with what truth is. When someone says, well, the reason you're sick is there's sin in your life, well, then that would then say that a person with perfect health is right with God. Not the case. So we have to understand that. Why is that? Well, simply this. We live in a fallen world. The rain falls on the just and the unjust just the same. And depending on what your posture is, rain can be the best blessing in the world. Crops are dry. Been a low water year. And that rain is going to make the difference whether you make bank or not come, come harvest. On the other hand, you may be a person that lays concrete. And you just got done pouring 40 acres of wet concrete. And here comes those black storm clouds. And you know that if it rains, it's going to wash all the top off all your concrete and you're going to lose the whole thing. Just depends on what position you're in. Do you need the water or not? Well, again, this is part of the world we live in. But as Paul's saying here, I came to you bringing a message to you. And friends, I don't know all what's going on here. Because if you notice the next verse, he says... What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. That is a weird infirmity. Uh, Do you see what he's saying? I imagine when Paul was preaching, who knows? You know, this is uh, right after he was taken out and and, uh, stoned. 
when he came into town, they thought he was a god. And by the end of the day, they were throwing rocks at him. Maybe something hit him in the face. Maybe his eyes were hurt. Maybe he had some type of malaria that caused his eyes to water. But if you can imagine Paul the Apostle going to these churches scattered throughout Galatia, and, and as he was ministering to them, maybe he had oozy eyes that were and maybe as he was sharing the Bible, he'd have to take out a, a piece of cloth and wipe his eyes off. And people would look, ooh, you're gooey. I don't want to listen to anything you say. I want to see somebody beautiful. I don't know. But he said, you, you tolerated me. You let me share the gospel with you in spite of my infirmity. And you had even pulled out your own eyes and given them to me. He didn't say, I didn't have enough faith. He didn't say, I had a negative confession of faith. It's simply the way it was. In fact, Paul writes to uh, Timothy, he says, drink some wine for your stomach and your other infirmities. Is, is it happen that Christians get sick, friends? Yes, they do. Do we have a God in heaven that can heal sicknesses? Yes, we do. James says, if any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Anoint them with oil, they'll recover. Now, sometimes we won't fully recover till we're with the Lord in heaven and we get a new body. But I also know God is a God of healing. And I've seen God heal people supernaturally and absolutely just, absolutely just, it's one of those gifts of the Spirit that is so grand. I remember uh, in church here several years ago, uh, a lady come up to me after the service. She says, I got healed this morning. And I said, really? How did that happen? And she says, well, when we were singing songs, I just kind of like heard a voice in my heart saying, reach out and touch the person in front of you. So she did. And she says, I got healed. And I said, by the way, can I ask you who that person was? And she told me. And I said, yeah, that, that girl, I think, has the gift of healing. And it's amazing that it wasn't, and it didn't turn into showtime and prating down in front and let's take up an offering and all this kind of stuff that you see sometimes go on in church. It was simply just God's supernatural, quiet way of saying, by the way, I love you and heal the person. So God heals us. But in this particular case, Paul wasn't healed. His eyes were watering. He was sharing the gospel. He was pouring his heart out. In fact, if we go back here to verse 11, he says, I'm afraid for you lest I have labored for you in vain. The word labored there in the original language means work to the complete total place of exhaustion. He just says, I'm worn out. So he says, you'd have given your own eyes to me. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Now, isn't this weird that the message that Paul was bringing the churches scattered throughout Galatia, they didn't like? What is it within us that likes to say, look what I did? It's just kind of weird to me that we like to take pride in what we do. Now, I think that's a good thing. And I think every person, as we work our jobs, as we do our things, we do everything to the glory of God the Father. That's what uh, uh, the Bible tells us to do. But the thing is, when it comes to spiritual things, Paul says there's no good thing that dwells in the flesh. Uh, that's why you can't expect a lot of performance out of a corpse. Okay, we drag this thing around with us. We're going to get a new one someday, and that's a good thing. And the older we get, the more we realize we need a new one, you know? 
Now, sometimes if we have an infirmity, an ailment, when we're in our teen years or 20s, we long for that new body a lot longer than you do if you're in your 40s, 50s, or 60s, and things don't work the way they used to work. And we recognize how important it is that we get a new body. The bo- the God's promised that's going to happen for us. So he says, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? What was the truth that he was telling him? It's not by works of righteousness, lest anyone would boast. It is because of what the Holy Spirit does in us. He says, they have zealously courted you. Now, they are speaking of the Judaizers, those that came in bringing a false doctrine. How is a person made right with God? Oh, I'll tell you, friends, you can fill libraries with what people will tell you you need to do to get right with God. All kinds of things. They'll they'll tell you you need to wear blue, sell flowers in the airport, go door to door. Do charitable deeds, be a, be a civitan, be a, be a rotary club, do this, do that, join this club, take, get out of that club. They have a list of things that they will tell you to do to be right with God. The group that came in here to the church at Galatia was saying, you got to get back under the law. you got to start doing things, uh, uh, you got to follow the new moons and the Sabbaths, the dietary laws, all those things, if you really want to be saved. Now, people say, and I get this call all the time on every man and answer, people will say, I had friends, they were Christians, they were walking in faith, and now they're getting all tangled back up into Judaism again. And I go, it's interesting. This is a broken record. It plays over and over again. We are not made spiritual by anything we do, but what God has done for us. If somebody wants to observe a Sabbath, if they want to uh, uh, observe certain meals and dietary things, well, that's okay. But it adds zero, and I mean capital zero, to your spirituality. Nothing we do makes us spiritual except for one thing. And they came to Jesus and they asked him, what work must we do to inherit eternal life? And I can just see him, because especially if you're a law keeper, uh, in other words, if, if you kept all the dietary laws, made every Sabbath, punched the time card when you went into temple and, and everything like that, I, I can just see him going, oh, oh man, this is where we're going to really style right here. And um, Jesus said, believe that the Father has sent me. Huh? Uh, You mean I had to sit through all those miserable services and sing all those nasty songs? Ah, It doesn't mean anything? No. See, what we do for God is what we do for God. Whether we worship him, whether we... Hey, I like being with the saints. I I like being with you. Uh, Because I I learn from all of you. I pray you learn from me. It's part of a family. It's, It's how we watch over and protect one another. Do you know how many people would not be in cults today if they would have simply learned the book of Galatians? Because again, he's saying, why have I become your enemy? Because I tell you the truth. You can't have a legal relationship with God 
and a love relationship with God at the same time. We do not go to God in our own, look what I did, but we go to God because of what Jesus did for us. He paid it all. Now, what does he say? They zealously court you. One of the commentaries I read said, they zealously love-bomb you. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah they, they just really pour it on you, make you feel special. In fact, you'll even, even go into a service. You'll be there one time and they'll say, how would you like to be a head of the greeting committee? They'll, they'll give you positions. They'll do whatever because they're enticing you into their thing. They're showing you how loving they are only to get their hook in you to drag you back under the law. He says, they zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you that they may be zealous, that you might be zealous for them. They want to separate you off so that you can be part of their thing. He said, boy, this is dangerous stuff. Now he says, it's good to be zealous. In a good thing is always good. And not only when I'm present with you. So it's okay to be zealous, but if you're zealous for the wrong thing, that isn't good. And they're courting them. They were pouring it out to hook them in. You know, there's an old song years ago that was on the radio. And actually, a lot of our old music, even in the 60s, was slightly influenced by the Bible. Uh, This is something you don't find much today. But you remember the song by the birds, to everything, turn, turn, there's a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. That's right out of the book of Ecclesiastes. Well, we remember there is the old thing, don't let the smile and the handshake fool you. I'm only trying to school you. Smiling faces tell lies. Well, you might remember that if you're older. The problem is, is that this is exactly what Paul is saying. They zealously court you. They want something out of you to make their numbers grow. But you see, it's good to be zealous, but not for the wrong things. My little children, verse 19, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you, I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone for I my doubts or my concerns about you. I wish I was there so you could hear the tone in my voice. You know, they say that only 7% of what you say is what you say. 7%. The rest is in body language and vocal tone. Um, Case in point. Well, I'm sorry. Did that sound like the person was sorry? No. Facial And vocal tone said it was exactly opposite to what you were saying. We have to remember that the Bible tells us that the tone, and this is something we don't always get in the Bible, but Paul is deeply concerned for the people that he labored for. They received him with oozy eyes or whatever it was that he had, and they listened to him. They accepted the gospel, and then the slickies came in and started taking their hearts away. Verse 21. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, 
Do you not hear the law? Do you, don't you understand what it's saying? That if you are under the law, you're not going to be under grace. You can't have two masters. And what's interesting, in the rest of this chapter, he outlines how the two are incompatible with each other. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.